0: section eleven of beads ecclesiastical history of england this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by catherine the ecclesiastical history of england by the venerable bead translated by a m sellar book two chapter fourteen HOW KING EDWIN AND HIS NATION BECAME CHRISTIANS, AND WHERE PAULINUS BAPTIZED THEM, 627 A.D. KING EDWIN, THEREFORE, WITH ALL THE NOBILITY OF THE NATION, AND A LARGE NUMBER OF THE COMMON SORT, RECEIVED THE FAITH, AND THE WASHING OF HOLY REGENERATION, IN THE ELEVENTH YEAR OF HIS REIGN, WHICH IS THE YEAR OF OUR LORD, 627, AND ABOUT A HUNDRED AND EIGHTY AFTER THE COMING OF THE ENGLISH INTO BRITAIN. HE WAS BAPTIZED AT YORK, ON THE HOLY DAY OF EASTER, being the twelfth of april in the church of st peter the apostle which he himself had built of timber there in haste whilst he was a catechumen receiving instructions in order to be admitted to baptism in that city also he bestowed upon his instructor and bishop paulinus his episcopal see but as soon as he was baptized he set about building by the direction of paulinus in the same place a larger and nobler church of stone in the midst whereof the oratory which he had first erected should be enclosed having therefore laid the foundation he began to build the church square encompassing the former oratory but before the walls were raised to their full height the cruel death of the king left that work to be finished by oswald his successor paulinus for the space of six years from this time that is till the end of the king's reign with his consent and favor preached the word of god in that country and as many as were foreordained to eternal life believed and were baptized among them were Osfrid and eadfred king edwin's sons who were both born to him whilst he was in banishment of quenburga the daughter of chearl king of the mercians afterwards other children of his by queen ethelberg were baptized ethelhun and his daughter ethelthrith and another wushfreya a son the first two were snatched out of this life whilst they were still in the white garments of the newly baptized and buried in the church at york ifi the son of asfred was also baptized and many other noble and royal persons so great was then the fervour of the faith as is reported and the desire for the labour of salvation among the nation of the northumbrians that paulinus at a certain time coming with the king and queen to the royal township which is called adjephrin stayed there with them thirty-six days fully occupied in catechizing and baptising during which days from morning till night he did nothing else but instruct the people resorting from all villages and places in christ's saving word and when they were instructed he washed them with the water of absolution in the river glen which is close by this township under the following kings was abandoned and another was built instead of it at the place called myelmin these things happened in the province of the bernisians But in that of the Deiri also, where he was wont often to be with the king, he baptized in the river Swale, which runs by the village of Cataract. For as yet oratories or baptisteries could not be built in the early infancy of the church in those parts, but in Campodonum, where there was then a royal township, he built a church which the pagans by whom King Edwin was slain afterwards burnt, together with all the place. Instead of this royal seat, the later kings built themselves a township in the country called Loides. But the altar, being of stone, escaped the fire, and is still preserved in the monastery of the most reverend abbot and priest, Thridwolf, which is in the forest of Elmet. Chapter 15. How the province of the East Angles received the faith of Christ. 627 to 628 AD edwin was so zealous for the true worship that he likewise persuaded aarpwald king of the east angles and son of redwald to abandon his idolatrous superstitions and with his whole province to receive the faith and mysteries of christ and indeed his father redwald had long before been initiated into the mysteries of the christian faith in kent but in vain for on his return home he was seduced by his wife and certain perverse teachers, and turned aside from the sincerity of the faith. And thus his latter state was worse than the former, so that, like the Samaritans of old, he seemed at the same time to serve Christ and the gods whom he served before. And in the same temple he had an altar for the Christian sacrifice, and another small one at which to offer victims to devils. Aldwulf, king of that same province, who lived in our time, testifies that this temple had stood until his time, and that he had seen it when he was a boy. The aforesaid king Redwald was noble by birth, though ignoble in his actions, being the son of Tutulus, whose father was Ufa, from whom the kings of the East Angles are called Ufings, Aarpwald, not long after he had embraced the christian faith was slain by one richbert a pagan and from that time the province was in error for three years till sigbert succeeded to the kingdom brother to the same Aarpwald, a most christian and learned man who was banished and went to live in gaul during his brother's life and was there initiated into the mysteries of the faith whereof he made it his business to cause all his province to partake as soon as he came to the throne his exertions were nobly promoted by bishop felix who coming to honorius the archbishop from the parts of burgundy where he had been born and ordained and having told him what he desired was sent by him to preach the word of life to the aforesaid nation of the angles nor were his good wishes in vain for the pious laborer in the spiritual field reaped therein a great harvest of believers delivering all that province according to the inner signification of his name from long iniquity and unhappiness and bringing it to the faith and works of righteousness and the gifts of everlasting happiness he had the see of his bishopric appointed him in the city of damach and having presided over the same province with pontifical authority seventeen years he ended his days there in peace chapter sixteen how paulinus preached in the province of Lindsay and of the character of the reign of edwin circa 628 a d paulinus also preached the word to the province of Lindsay, which is the first on the south side of the river humber stretching as far as the sea and he first converted to the lord the reeve of the city of lincoln whose name was Blyca, with his whole house he likewise built in that city a stone church of beautiful workmanship the roof of which has either fallen through long neglect or been thrown down by enemies but the walls are still to be seen standing and every year miraculous cures are wrought in that place for the benefit of those who have faith to seek them in that church when justice had departed to christ paulinus consecrated honorius bishop in his stead as will be hereafter mentioned in its proper place a certain priest and abbot of the monastery of peartanu a man of singular veracity whose name was Deda, told me concerning the faith of this province that an old man had informed him that he himself had been baptized at noonday by Bishop Paulinus, in the presence of King Edwin, and with him a great multitude of the people, in the river Trent, near the city which in the English tongue is called Teal Fingerkeister, and he was also wont to describe the person of the same Paulinus, saying that he was tall of stature, stooping somewhat, his hair black, his visage thin, his nose slender and aquiline, his aspect both venerable and awe-inspiring." he had also with him in the ministry james the deacon a man of zeal and great fame in christ and in the church who lived even to our days it is told that there was then such perfect peace in britain wheresoever the dominion of king edwin extended that as is still proverbially said a woman with her newborn babe might walk throughout the island from sea to sea without receiving any harm that king took such good care for the good of his nation that in several places where he had seen clear springs near the highways he caused stakes to be fixed with copper drinking vessels hanging on them for the refreshment of travellers nor durst any man touch them for any other purpose than that for which they were designed either through the great dread they had of the king or for the affection which they bore him his dignity was so great throughout his dominions that not only were his banners borne before him in battle but even in time of peace when he rode about his cities townships or provinces with his thanes the standard-bearer was always wont to go before him also when he walked anywhere along the streets that sort of banner which the romans called tufa and the english thuf was in like manner borne before him Chapter 17 How Edwin received letters of exhortation from Pope Honorius who also sent the Paul to Paulinus 634 AD At that time Honorius successor to Boniface was bishop of the apostolic see when he learned that the nation of the Northumbrians with their king had been by the preaching of Paulinus converted to the faith and confession of Christ he sent the Paul to the said Paulinus, and with it, letters of exhortation to King Edwin, with fatherly love inflaming his zeal, to the end that he and his people should persist in belief of the truth which they had received. The contents of which letter were as follows. To his most noble son and excellent lord, Edwin, King of the Angles, Bishop Honorius, servant of the servants of God, greeting the wholeheartedness of your christian majesty in the worship of your creator is so inflamed with the fire of faith that it shines out far and wide and being reported throughout the world brings forth plentiful fruits of your labors for the terms of your kingship you know to be this that taught by orthodox preaching the knowledge of your king and creator you believe and worship God, and as far as man is able, pay him the sincere devotion of your mind. For what else are we able to offer our God but our readiness to worship him and to pay him our vows, persisting in good actions, and confessing him the creator of mankind? And therefore, most excellent son, we exhort you with such fatherly love as is meet, to labor to preserve this gift in every way, by earnest striving and constant prayer in that the divine mercy has vouchsafed to call you to his grace to the end that he who has been pleased to deliver you from all errors and bring you to the knowledge of his name in this present world may likewise prepare a place for you in the heavenly country employing yourself therefore in reading frequently the works of my lord gregory your evangelist of apostolic memory keep before your eyes that love of his doctrine which he zealously bestowed for the sake of your souls that his prayers may exalt your kingdom and people and present you faultless before almighty god we are preparing with a willing mind immediately to grant those things which you hoped would be by us ordained for your bishops and this we do on account of the sincerity of your faith which has been made known to us abundantly in terms of praise by the bearers of these presents we have sent two pauls to the two metropolitans honorius and paulinus to the intent that when either of them shall be called out of this world to his creator the other may by this authority of ours substitute another bishop in his place which privilege we are induced to grant by the warmth of our love for you as well as by reason of the great extent of the provinces which lie between us and you that we may in all things support your devotion and likewise satisfy your desires may god's grace preserve your highness in safety chapter 18 how honorius who succeeded justice in the bishopric of canterbury received the paul and letters from pope honorius 634 A.D. In the meantime, Archbishop Justice was taken up to the Heavenly Kingdom on the 10th of November, and Honorius, who was elected to the see in his stead, came to Paulinus to be ordained, and meeting with him at Lincoln, was there consecrated the fifth prelate of the Church of Canterbury from Augustine. To him also the aforesaid Pope Honorius sent the Paul, and a letter, wherein he ordains the same that he had before ordained in his epistle to king edwin to wit that when either the archbishop of canterbury or of york shall depart this life the survivor being of the same degree shall have power to ordain another bishop in the room of him that is departed that it might not be necessary always to undertake the toilsome journey to rome at so great a distance by sea and land to ordain an archbishop WHICH LETTER WE HAVE ALSO THOUGHT FIT TO INSERT IN THIS OUR HISTORY. Honorius to His Most Beloved Brother Honorius. Among the many good gifts which the mercy of our Redeemer is pleased to bestow on His servants, He grants to us in His bounty, graciously conferred on us by His goodness, the special blessing of realizing by brotherly intercourse, as it were, face to face, our mutual love, for which gift we continually render thanks to his majesty and humbly beseech him that he will ever confirm your labor beloved in preaching the gospel and bringing forth fruit and following the rule of your master and head the holy gregory and that for the advancement of his church he may by your means raise up further increase to the end that through faith and works in the fear and love of god what you and your predecessors have already gained from the seed sown by our lord gregory may grow strong and be further extended that so the promises spoken by our lord may hereafter be brought to pass in you and that these words may summon you to everlasting happiness come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will refresh you AND AGAIN, WELL DONE, GOOD AND FAITHFUL SERVANT, THOU HAST BEEN FAITHFUL OVER A FEW THINGS, I WILL MAKE THEE RULER OVER MANY THINGS. ENTER THOU INTO THE JOY OF THY LORD. AND WE, MOST BELOVED BROTHERS, SENDING YOU FIRST THESE WORDS OF EXHORTATION OUT OF OUR ENDURING CHARITY, DO NOT FAIL FURTHER TO GRANT THOSE THINGS WHICH WE PERCEIVE MAY BE SUITABLE FOR THE PRIVILEGES OF YOUR CHURCHES wherefore in accordance with your request and that of the kings our sons we do hereby in the name of the blessed peter chief of the apostles grant you authority that when the divine grace shall call either of you to himself the survivor shall ordain a bishop in the room of him that is deceased to which end also we have sent a paul to each of you beloved for celebrating the said ordination that by the authority which we hereby commit to you you may make an ordination acceptable to god because the long distance of sea and land that lies between us and you has obliged us to grant you this that no loss may happen to your church in any way on any pretext whatever but that the devotion of the people committed to you may increase the more god preserve you in safety most dear brother given the eleventh day of june in the reign of these our lords and emperors in the twenty-fourth year of the reign of heraclius and the twenty-third after his consulship and in the twenty-third of his son constantine and the third after his consulship and in the third year of the most prosperous caesar his son heraclius the seventh in diction that is in the year of our lord six thirty four chapter nineteen HOW THE aforesaid HONORIUS, FIRST, AND AFTERWARDS JOHN, WROTE LETTERS TO THE NATION OF THE SCOTS CONCERNING THE OBSERVANCE OF EASTER AND THE PELAGIAN HERESY, 640 A.D. THE SAME POPE HONORIUS ALSO WROTE TO THE SCOTS WHOM HE HAD FOUND TO ERR IN THE OBSERVANCE OF THE HOLY FESTIVAL OF EASTER, AS HAS BEEN SHOWN ABOVE, WITH SUBTLETY OF ARGUMENT, EXHORTING THEM NOT TO THINK THEMSELVES, FEW AS THEY WERE, and placed in the utmost borders of the earth wiser than all the ancient and modern churches of christ throughout the world and not to celebrate a different easter contrary to the paschal calculation and the decrees of all the bishops upon earth sitting in synod likewise john who succeeded severinus successor to the same honorius being yet but pope-elect sent to them letters of great authority and erudition for the purpose of correcting the same error, evidently showing that Easter Sunday is to be found between the fifteenth of the moon and the twenty-first, as was approved in the Council of Nicaea. He also in the same epistle admonished them to guard against the Pelagian heresy, and reject it, for he had been informed that it was again springing up among them. The beginning of the epistle was as follows. TO OUR MOST BELOVED AND MOST HOLY TOMIANUS, COLUMBANUS, CHROMANUS, DINAUS, AND BYTHANUS, BISHOPS, TO CHROMANUS, ARIANUS, Lystranus, Skelanus, AND SAGANUS, PRIESTS, TO SARANUS, AND THE REST OF THE SCOTTISH DOCTORS AND ABBOTS, HILARUS, THE ARCHPRESBYTER, AND vicegerent OF THE HOLY APOSTOLIC SEE john the deacon and elect in the name of god likewise john the chief of the notaries and vicegerent of the holy apostolic see and john the servant of god and counsellor of the same apostolic see the writings which were brought by the bearers to pope severinus of holy memory were left when he departed from the light of this world without an answer to the questions contained in them lest any obscurity should long remain undispelled in a matter of so great moment we opened the same and found that some in your province endeavouring to revive a new heresy out of an old one contrary to the orthodox faith do through the darkness of their minds reject our easter when christ was sacrificed and contend that the same should be kept with the hebrews on the fourteenth of the moon by this beginning of the epistle it evidently appears that this heresy arose among them in very late times and that not all their nation but only some of them were involved in the same after having laid down the manner of keeping easter they add this concerning the pelagians in the same epistle and we have also learnt that the poison of the pelagian heresy again springs up among you We therefore exhort you that you put away from your thoughts all such venomous and superstitious wickedness, for you cannot be ignorant how that execrable heresy has been condemned, for it has not only been abolished these two hundred years, but it is also daily condemned by us and buried under our perpetual ban, and we exhort you not to rake up the ashes of those whose weapons have been burnt for who would not detest that insolent and impious assertion that man can live without sin of his own free will and not through the grace of god and in the first place it is blasphemous folly to say that man is without sin which none can be but only the one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus who was conceived and born without sin For all other men, being born in original sin, are known to bear the mark of Adam's transgression, even whilst they are without actual sin, according to the saying of the prophet, For, behold, I was conceived in iniquity, and in sin did my mother give birth to me. Chapter 20 How Edwin, being slain, Paulinus returned into Kent, and had the bishopric of Rochester conferred upon him. 633 A.D. Edwin reigned most gloriously seventeen years over the nations of the English and the Britons, six whereof, as has been said, he also was a soldier in the kingdom of Christ. Cadwalla, king of the Britons, rebelled against him, being supported by the vigorous Penda of the royal race of the Mercians, who from that time governed that nation for twenty-two years with varying success. A great battle being fought in the plain that is called Hathfelth, edwin was killed on the twelfth of october in the year of our lord 633 being then forty-eight years of age and all his army was either slain or dispersed in the same war osfrid one of his sons a warlike youth fell before him eadfrid another of them compelled by necessity went over to king penda and was by him afterwards slain in the reign of oswald contrary to his oath at this time a great slaughter was made in the church and nation of the northumbrians chiefly because one of the chiefs by whom it was carried on was a pagan and the other a barbarian more cruel than a pagan for penda with all the nation of the mercians was an idolater and a stranger to the name of christ but cadwalla though he professed and called himself a Christian was so barbarous in his disposition and manner of living that he did not even spare women and innocent children but with bestial cruelty put all alike to death by torture and overran all their country in his fury for a long time intending to cut off all the race of the english within the borders of britain nor did he pay any respect to the christian religion which had sprung up among them it being to this day the custom of the britons to despise the faith and religion of the english and to have no part with them in anything any more than with pagans king edwin's head was brought to york and afterwards taken into the church of the blessed peter the apostle which he had begun but which his successor oswald finished as has been said before it was laid in the chapel of the holy pope gregory from whose disciples he had received the word of life the affairs of the northumbrians being thrown into confusion at the moment of this disaster when there seemed to be no prospect of safety except in flight paulinus taking with him queen ethelberg whom he had before brought thither returned into kent by sea and was very honorably received by the archbishop honorius and king eadbald He came thither under the conduct of Bassus, a most valiant thane of King Edwin, having with him Aonfled, the daughter, and Wushfreya, the son of Edwin, as well as Ufi, the son of Osfrid, Edwin's son. Afterwards, Ethelberg, for fear of the kings Eadbald and Oswald, sent Wushfreya and Ufi over into Gaul to be bred up by King Dagobert, who was her friend and there they both died in infancy and were buried in the church with the honour due to royal children and to christ's innocence he also brought with him many rich goods of king edwin among which were a large gold cross and a gold chalice consecrated to the service of the altar which are still preserved and shown in the church of canterbury at that time the church of rochester had no pastor for romanus the bishop thereof being sent on a mission to pope honorius by archbishop justus was drowned in the italian Sea. and thus paulinus at the request of archbishop honorius and king adbald took upon him the charge of the same and held it until he too in his own time departed to heaven with the fruits of his glorious labors and dying in that church he left there the pall which he had received from the pope of rome he had left behind him in his church at york james the deacon a true churchman and a holy man who continuing long after in that church by teaching and baptizing rescued much prey from the ancient enemy and from him the village where he chiefly dwelt near cataract has its name to this day He had great skill in singing in church, and when the province was afterwards restored to peace, and the number of the faithful increased, he began to teach church music to many, according to the custom of the Romans or of the Cantuarians. And being old and full of days, as the Scripture says, he went the way of his fathers. End of section eleven, and end of book two. Recording by Catherine.